And the beloved hymn, Christos Voskras, Christ is Risen, and for the second round of Easter, and that'll be on the Julian calendar for those celebrating in the Eastern Orthodox Rite. That was the Chabluk family from Winnipeg from a brand new release of Easter hymns. Christos Voskras, Voisino Voskras. Dobry den, Shinovni Radio Suchachita. Vitaju vas vsih na Radio Peredaciu Nash. Holos Radio Krinskoho Korinja. Jaka podejeci vam si hojni, tak jaki kožni serede, sedinacitoi do trinacitoi hodene, na Radio Stanci CHLY, stojeden i sime fem, umisti nanajmo. Pri mikrofoni ciu hodenu je Pavlina, a nastupno hodenu budes vame Oksana. Jako ju štorišale per budes name nastupnech dvoh hoden, me mama dužici kabi novene. Hello there and welcome to Nash Holos Ukrainian Roots Radio coming to you on CHLY 101.7 FM in Nanaimo. I'm Paula Demchuk Macquarie, Pokrinske Pavlina, and I'll be your host for this first hour. Oksana will be here at 12 noon to host the show in Ukrainian. We've got a great program lined up for you in this hour. We've still got some Easter music, but we've also got some spoken word segments. The Ukrainian Jewish Heritage will bring you part two of the interview with Vlada Nedak from Krebirich, Ukraine, and talking about a resurrection of a community there. As well, we've got some comments by the head of the Election Observer Mission to Ukraine, to the presidential elections. Uh, Lloyd Axworthy uh, recently spoke to media about that, and we'll share some of that. As well, our usual proverb of the week, other items of interest, and great Ukrainian music, and we'll be touching on Easter as well as a more tragic event in Ukrainian history. But we're going to stick to Easter right now, and we have Another rendition of Christos Voskras, and there are many, <laughs> as we know, and this is a more contemporary rendition by a Ukrainian artist by the name of Helena Ileva. Субтитры 
Вже й солові врайах співають Христос воскрес віщають всім Чудесна пісня, чудесна пісня Чудесна пісня не змовкає Співаймо Господу з небес Співаймо вічне Аллилуйя Воскрес, хай цілий світ про це почує. Співаймо Господу з небес, співаймо вічне Аллилуйя. Бо істину Христос воскрес, хай цілий світ про це Another contemporary rendition of Christos Voskras that was by a group called Gerolo, uh, normally an a cappella group, although they do some music with uh, musical accompaniment. Uh, four girls and a guy from Ukraine, Gerolo. Up next, a more traditional sound, another YouTube gem with uh, no information other than the name of the song, and that is Radithevsi, Rejoice All.
Радіти всі дорослі діти, Христос воскрес, Христос воскрес, Кладіть, кладіть найкращі квіти на Божий хрест, на Божий хрест, кладіть, кладіть найкращі квіти. На Божий хрест, на Божий хрест. На тім хресі він був розп'ятий, Чекав на помічі з небес. Лише один з усіх на світі, Христос воскрес, Христос воскрес. Лише один з усіх на світі, Христос воскрес, Христос воскрес. Нехай бринять і пахнуть квіти, Нехай почує Божий рай, Як на землі радіють діти, і звеселяють рідний край, як на землі радіють діти, і звеселяють рідний край. На нас поляне Божа мати, радіючи святих небес, збираємо Христос воскрес, Христос воскрес, збираємо люди всі співати, Христос воскрес, Христос воскрес. The presidential elections in Ukraine took place on April 21st. Once again, Canada sent a delegation of election observers to help ensure a free and fair election. The delegation was led by the Honourable Lloyd Axworthy, former Member of Parliament. On Wednesday morning, he held a press teleconference to share his observations. Here are some excerpts. Let me say first that officially wanted to congratulate the new president, Mr. Zelensky. He has certainly won the expectations of three-quarters of the population, so it really is an astounding mandate to work with. But it also will have the quandaries of how to meet those expectations, so it will be an interesting roller coaster. The election itself, from all the observations that we did, and we had 160 observers in the field that were actually reporting in every couple hours because we had a digital system of recording a series of criteria. Were the polls open? Were there any grievances? Things of that kind. And um, we estimated that uh, well over a 95% satisfaction rate across the board in the polls. And I can speak personally because I visited several on Sunday and it was a little bit inspiring to see committed people were making this voting exercise a good one. And when you put it in the backdrop that uh, this is a country at war, a country that's being interfered with in a number of information digital ways, and a country that is still dealing with its own internal issues with oligarchs and a lack of sort of transparency in areas. But that hold a, a really clear, good election system, I think, is a great builder for trust and confidence. And I'm 
glad that Canada was able to participate in it. In saying that, I just want to pay a tribute to the close to 200 volunteers that we had off and on, people giving up their time from their work or school or to uh, come out and you know, spend uh, time throughout the country and providing a third-party independent sense of confidence and trust for a lot of the people who were showing up at polls. So it was a very valuable exercise that uh, uh, I think electoral missions like this are a really good way of doing citizen diplomacy and Canadians involved in helping us solve some of the issues. Uh, a point arising out of that, um, I, I think that um, while clearly media attention is focused on the sort of uh, mystery of Mr. Zelensky, I think there's some other issues that need to be attuned. In our statement uh, assessment that we made on the 22nd, we drew attention to the fact that there were, I think, some really disturbing trend lines in the media news issue, comments that were made about not really needing to have press conversations and briefings and so on. That's an issue, and clearly the one that's going to be most important is the security defense issue. The newly elected president, when he's uh, inaugurated, which should be in about a month's time, only has control over defense, foreign policy, and national security in terms of appointments. It's going to be up to the parliament to make nominations for prime minister and ministers, and that won't take place till next fall when there's an election for the parliament of Ukraine, for the Rada. So there's going to be a kind of an interregnum and suggesting that, that maybe the, the new president-elect may take advantage of that to call a snap election. That's all street speculation. Um, but I wanted to come back just to that issue. Governments that are elected with these very large populist movements behind them, I think there is always a risk that they may end up trying to limit uh, the constitutional and the democratic principles, which I think we're all interested in promoting. As far as the interference is concerned, there is an issue there. Some Canadian media are not paying attention to it much. Ukraine's been dealing with this for over five years. They report the hundreds of millions of dollars that the Russians put into their hybrid wars or their digital wars, and they're very good at it. And they had phased down in the second run because there was no real need to kind of prop up one candidate or, or the other. I think their election was going the way they wanted. But there were certainly continuing uh, outbursts of websites with hate and mobilization and protest. Uh, one important thing that uh, I'll be reporting back to the government on is that they have developed a very good system of early warning, preemptive assessment about where there might be upsets or disturbances in the election. And they were able, therefore, to really have pretty much an event-free activity. I think there is a lot of that kind of preparation that could be done. There'll be a third round of elections, I think, where there could be some uh, further steps of improvement. The ability of uh, internally displaced people, of which there's over a million and a half, have faced obstructions in getting their votes done. The election system tried to accommodate by setting up special voting sites outside the borders on the east and Crimea. But the internal obstruction by the Russians and their and their friends or their allies, to say nothing of the rules, which were very rigid, you had to cross the compact line at least twice, and that really, I think, was a deterrent to a lot of people. So I think those are areas that uh, we recommend that efforts be made to address before the parliamentary elections in October. 
there were some very modern and innovative steps that have been taken in the election system. I, one example, drawn on my own experience in politics over the years, about how do you uh, make it really easy and, and feasible for people with disabilities or older people who don't have mobility to vote. There's always mail-in ballots and things of that kind. What the Ukrainian Election Commission has put in place was a mobile vote so that the authorities in each of the polls at a certain time of day would go around to all those who had registered to vote outside. And they were getting you know, 8, 10, 15, 20 people. And I thought that was a very good commitment. The right to vote is so important. And to enable that to happen is good. I think the um, sense I, I had about the security preparations for the election were very well thought out. And as I said earlier, I really built in some interesting both technology and training to give them a capacity to kind of early warning, preventative response. And I think that's much better than having to respond once some kind of big nasty event takes place. When I went to a poll, for example, I would always ask the uh, the director of the of the site, could I just talk to people? I don't want to interfere in the voting. And they, they were very good about that. And I just had a chance to talk to people from both sides, from both candidates or authorities. And I can say that it was uh, uh, in the observation that we did in the uh, over two or 3,000 uh, polling sites we, we witnessed that uh, it was a, over a 90% satisfaction. And we could verify that by saying it was very well run based on open and transparent principles, so I was impressed. I think being a very active part in helping to support the election, not just the observer mission, but to do uh, polling and to do some training, things of that kind. My sense of it, from talking to the civil society and government authorities, as well as going to the polls, I went to five or six on Sunday, is that there's an enormous amount of trust and confidence in Canada. I think we we have established a good reputation. Therefore, my view is that when you've got somebody who can be a good ally, then you go to work on it. I think the Ukrainians are overall very determined to become more engaged in global, international, Western kind of activities. But there is a strong minority, Russian committed, and uh, they can be an obstructionist. And there's the issue of the oligarchs, which just seriously obstructs the openness of transactions. But I think there's a couple of key questions that are really front and center. The reaction of Russia and Putin is clearly going to reset a lot of the conventional wisdoms we have about our, about our relationships with Ukraine. And I think uh, countries like Canada and others in Western democratic numbers would really want to think, how do we, now that there's been a proven new pre-election and a brand new president and government to work with, is a time to kind of freshen our act up a little bit as well. And there's certainly a lot of things that need to be done to help them continue to gain momentum. But democracy isn't just a vote. It's also discussion and debate and access to information. The Russians have an incredibly extensive infrastructure already in Ukraine. You know, there's some 80-odd uh, radio TV outlets beaming Russian into that country every day. I mean, I, I said that the whole of free election under circumstances of, of war and Outside interference is really a real tribute to the Ukrainians. But there is uh, an effort that, that needs to be done to kind of broaden out the democratic agenda now. And that's where I think friends and allies of Ukraine and international organizations should be ready to have a quick response 
because I'm pretty sure everybody suggests that Putin will be making a move in the next two or three weeks. It, sometime during the campaign, Mr. Zelensky said it in the debate at the stadium about wanting to find a peaceful solution to the border conflicts in two or three weeks. You know, that's a, that's a pretty bold statement. Mr. Putin apt to respond to that? I think Mr. Putin just has one basic ambition, and that is to destabilize Ukraine so that he can bring them under the orbit and also not have them as a, a front-line border example of a democratic system working. There was at least one and maybe two candidates who ran on a platform of re-establishing relations with Russia in, in this new economic block that they're trying to form. And I, and I think one would have to take a look at the numbers coming up for the parliamentary elections. And if those uh, candidates and there's supporters, one, one of them, I think, uh, was a Boychuk, ran number five or six and had uh, a couple million votes. The point I'm coming to with the parliamentary election, you you start combining because it's a proportional representation system. Elected members there, you could end up with 15 to 20 percent of the new Rada basically having a pro-Russian policy. The area of highest concern on the other side is that people we talk to from the veterans organizations and the families of the people fighting on the front and others is they're afraid that they might just a negotiation with too much given away. I mean, that's their fear. And that's why they were probably the strongest voting bloc for Mr. Poroshenko. It all depends who Mr. Zelensky appoints as his foreign minister, defense minister, his security advisor, all those things. I think then you'll start getting a good sense of what direction might be taken. I don't think it would be on the Poroshenko model. I think he's clear that he wants to do things differently. I think this really is a important opportunity for Canada, with a new president coming in with clearly a demonstration of a bona fide democracy at work, to become really a very strong ally relationship. And I, the foreign minister has been doing that, but I think Canadians have to kind of get mobilized around it as well but to see that this could be a very important relationship for us to have in Europe, uh, in Euro-Asia, in fact and to work together on a lot of joint issues. We're both big agricultural countries. There's a, a lot in common. And so I, I just think that when you have a major change like this, you have to say, okay, uh, is there a chance to uh, do better? And really going back clearly for the third round of the elections, which will also be pretty interesting for this country. That was Lloyd Axworthy, head of Canada's election observation mission to Ukraine in the 2019 presidential election, speaking to Canadian and Ukrainian journalists on Wednesday, April 24th. The world was changed for good that day, and we were just an element. The victims of an accident on nuclear experiment. Our occupiers played a god that none of them believed in, and gave us all the devil, but no choice, we had to breathe him. The hammer banged, raised fallout dust, the sickle of uranium. Poisoned lands and rivers, Belarusian and Ukrainian These symbols now mean more than ideology that failed They spell the Soviet sin that to this very day prevails Chernobyl, there was a time when you could breathe Chernobyl 
Bill, you also had a history. Chernobyl, born in 1193. Chernobyl, did scriptures say it was to be? Their sickness lives in old and young, in children also blameless. A parting gift from a regime whose second name was shameless. There's something I can't understand, this crime was so severe. Yet he who tried to hide it is a man now most revered. The sheep from Wales and Norway then got too sick to ignore. It seems for world opinion that their illness counted more. Then all the wrongs the Red Star brought to many Eastern nations. Yet somehow it's still cool for some to guard its reputation. Chernobyl, there was a time when you could breathe. Chernobyl, you also had a history. Chernobyl, born in 1193. Chernobyl, did scriptures say it was to be? They read deluded diatribe by so-called expert thinkers In cafe bars in Islington, then preach to normal drinkers A blind eye to the crimes of one, but we're all towards the other Swastika, hammer, sickle, had the same bitch for a mother Dry Molotov and Ribbentrop in 1939 they planned to share out Europe, that was once upon a time But five and twenty years ago was born Forbidden Zone It's still today for some poor souls a poisoned place called home Chernobyl, there was a time when you could breathe Chernobyl, you also had a history Chernobyl, born in 1193 Chernobyl, did scriptures say it was to be? And Ludwig from London, England with his original composition, Chernobyl. And April 26th marked the 33rd anniversary of that nuclear disaster. Visukite Radio Protamu Nash Holos Radio Nasha Hokurinya, Naradiostan CCHLY, Stoideni CMFM, Umistina Naimo, Hovorit Pavina. You're listening to Nash Holos Ukrainian Roots Radio on CHLY 101.7 FM in Nanaimo. I'm your host this hour, Pavina. And now for a look at Ukraine's rich Jewish heritage, then and now. Brought to you by the Ukrainian Jewish Encounter, based in Toronto, Ontario. Vlada Nidak is Director of Programming for Project Kesher Ukraine, a network of women's groups that works to improve the status of women in the former Soviet Union. Starting in the Jewish community, Project Kesher Ukraine builds interfaith networks of women, NGOs, and government institutions. These networks collaborate in such areas as women's leadership, health initiatives, gender violence advocacy, vocational training, stopping human trafficking, and promoting tolerance. 
Vlada has been instrumental in establishing these programs, which have improved the lives of thousands of women in Ukraine and other countries of the former Soviet Union. She has been with Project Kesher for over 20 years. Starting as a volunteer in 1997, Vlada graduated from a Project Kesher Ukraine Leadership Seminar for Teens and then went on to play a leading role in organizing the Jewish community of Krivirich, Ukraine. She developed and ran the first Jewish women's and youth groups in this city. Today, the community is one of the 10 largest Jewish communities in Ukraine, with more than 5,000 members and an active synagogue, Jewish Day School, and community center. In part one of our interview, Vlada shared her family history and the story of her grandfather, who was instrumental in rebuilding the Jewish community in Krivirich after the destruction caused by the Nazi and Soviet regimes. Vlada continues his legacy. In part two of our interview, she shares some of the details of her work with the Jewish community in Krivirich and a bit about the city itself. She joined us by Skype from her home in Krivirich. It's my child memories, how everything started and uh, different stages of uh, how the community developed. And the next stage, I remember that they went to local mayor, like city hall, town council, and uh, they officially registered Jewish community of uh, Kribiri. And they remember that we got another location. It was a kindergarten, and we have uh, half of this kindergarten. It was really big numbers of room, but they were empty. I remember that my grandfather put a sofa from our apartment. We bought the new one and he gave this sofa for the teens club. And the only place we can sit on the floor and on the sofa. It was very... (laughs) And I remember that it was the council of Jewish community and my grandfather was part of these years. Even for his last days, he was in the council and I heard from him for the first time about Zdaka. What is it? Uh, Zdoka. It's the tenth part of your salary which you should give. And uh, I've heard for the first time from my grandfather that in Jewish tradition, it's uh, some kind of vessel where you put money. And in all Jewish centers in the synagogue, you meet the special boxes where you can leave some money. And it calls Zdoka, Zdoka. And I know that my grandfather says from that moment that if we want to have Jewish community, if we want the future for Jewish community, we should put our own money. In spite of our volunteerism, we should put our money to support a Jewish community now. And he always said, one day will come. And uh, Jewish community of United States who supported Jews in Ukraine, in Russia, uh, they can do in, in such big numbers. Uh, we should think about it. We should educate, we should uh, behave our children to give money, to give uh, ideas, your uh, time for Jewish community. Wow, what a visionary. He really could see into the future, couldn't he? You know, the moment came when he took different kind of ideas, the all variety of Jewish community programming. I mean, Hesed, it's um, the special department who supported old people, all um, health program, all social services 
which came to Jewish community. And he took all this idea. And after his career at the factory, he led veteran, uh, not of the whole Krivoyrik city, just of our, one of the regions. And in this uh, region, he developed this idea how to support old people. And he said, it's the time to learn from Jewish community. All I do for our city, all I do for our veterans, all I do for pensioners, I took it from Jewish community. He always says uh, to people, he never, never lost this word Jewish. He always said to me. Ah, when I came to the first Project Asher uh, seminar, uh, frankly speaking, at the university, I didn't say that it's Jewish. I just say that it's some kind of activity, a women's conference. I didn't say. Why? Why not? I didn't feel comfortable and I didn't explain people what does it mean? What is the program? Why do Jewish uh, young women gather at one place? I have no idea because it was still the time when people were not proud with Jewish roots. It's a long history of Soviet Jewish history when people suffered from Jewish surnames, from Jewish um, noses, or you looks like, or you smells like Jew, and a long, long history which change it uh, with the independence of uh, Ukraine, I can say that we have absolutely another attitude to national variety, including Jewish community. Oh, is that nice. It's odd that you remember that. I mean, you're so young, you're not even 40. And you remember that kind of discrimination and anti-Semitism just growing up in the very recent past. And how quickly that changed, though? I suppose it was the time that these 10 years from 1990s till 2000, when in Ukraine, Jewish schools appeared, Chabad came and they have, uh, at some places, we had old synagogues, when in different news we read about the old synagogue now belong to Jewish community in different cities. And really the support of Jewish community all around the world who invest money, ideas, programming, people here. And during, it seems to me, 10 years, during 10 years, because I started as Project Asher staff in 2000, in 2001, and I work with Hillel student organizations. I work with uh, Jewish agencies, student organizations. We have Jewish communities. We have Hesed's. What is that? What it has it? It's some kind of program which support old people, like social workers. They made special program. They visit. They attend old people at home. They have uh, different kind of medical programs for them. They help people who live without children or with in difficult financial situation. Mm-hmm. Okay, so uh, in the 1990s, then this was the big building time, and your grandfather was instrumental. He came back from uh, Leningrad with all this new knowledge about his heritage, and he shared it with people around and with you. Yeah. And you went on to connect with uh, Project Kesher, and you were in a teen program. 
Yes, it was a young leadership programming. And there were women started from 18 like me and the women like 35. And I remember this interesting, as my grandfather always told me. Now the time came when we stopped to feed people in Jewish community. And it is the time when we give another kind of food for them, uh, spiritual, historical, Jewish roots, Jewish identity food. It was maybe I didn't understand everything, but I see that we have another kind of programming. It's not only support, not only food for people. It's different kind of yeah, it, projects. Right. So it started out with just uh, kind of to bring people together to observe Shabbat and to help disadvantaged Jewish people in the area. Yes. And in 1994 or 1995, we had a rabbi. We had the young man from Israel who oh. didn't speak any Ukrainian, any Russian. He spoke English. He's still in our city, oh. uh, Lyon. I remember he's two years older than me. He's in his 40. And I remember his young man with traditional Jewish uh, clothes. And I have no idea what his mission here. But I see and I remember his first year in the city. Okay. Now, so basically you got your Jewish heritage back from, from foreigners. So that's to me is, is really interesting. I mean, after the Holocaust and then the Soviet Union didn't help you to rebuild what was lost. That had to happen on your own and with people from other parts of the world to come from Israel. Uh, the borders were open. And now I understand what it means. Because in Soviet Union, we were not Jews, we were not Ukrainians, we were not Russian. We were really Soviet people, Soviet children, pioneers, Komsomols people. But we have no history. We have common state, the only state for all of us. We have the common history, which was given to us. In my 30s, I started to think about such things like how many Ukrainian people were killed in Great Patriotic War. I started to learn at the university some facts from different sides and understand that it was really system. And in this system, there were not individuals, individuals like people, like nationalities. Mm -hmm. And after the Soviet Union was broken, the borders were opened, open to different, new, fresh, what uh, happened uh, all abroad. And when I came to the first Project Kesher Teens Retreat, I was really shocked. I was really shocked with the kindness of women, the women's spirit and support. And the moment where people, uh, women pray uh, before lunch for bread, I have no idea. I cried because it was some kind of unity where everybody was so open. You didn't know the words, it's not a problem. Just have this melody, just be in a circle. This is my hand, this is your hand. I will learn you, I will educate you, and will learn from you. Very, very extraordinary experience, and I really love Project Asher for 
this activism, for this feminism, and for this Judaism. And all these years, I really have this balance of all three scenes, which is meaningful. And in this complex, they are really great for people. And uh, now I understand that we are like, make some kind of advocacy of Jewish history, of Jewish nationality, of Israel, of our roots in the honor of our, in the memory of our Jewish roots, of people, uh, of our families, which were lost in a big circle of history. So tell me then about your group now. What is the name of your community organization, the one that your grandfather registered? That's the one that you're still running? I can say that I'm running. He was the founder and I represent Project Kesher Ukraine, Project Kesher as woman organization. And every gathering, every meeting of the council, I mean, different organizations we have. We have Oravner uh, Fund, it's Chabad department. We have Jewish school, like secondary school. And my son, he goes to this school. We have Jewish kindergarten. We have synagogue. The synagogue is absolutely new. It was rebuilt. The place where historical we had synagogue in Krivi it was destroyed. And local businessman with Jewish roots in honor of his big Jewish family, he built this synagogue in 2008 or 2007, something like this. And we have a big Jewish community center, which is at those building we got in 1992, in 1993. And I know that it's English organization. They gave money for reconstruction and it uh, really very modern building. So you've moved out of that building and now you've got a new one? We got that building and now it's the property of Jewish community of the city. Oh. Yeah, and it was repaired by some kind of English famous Jewish organization, uh, reconstructed and uh, renewed. The Jewish kindergarten and the Jewish school have personal building. The synagogue, it's the second building. And the Jewish community center, it's the building we got in the 1990s. And now it's property of Jewish community. It's the third building. Like, we have three locations in the city. Okay, so then you have the, the synagogue, the community center, and this the kindergarten and school? Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Oh, wow. And uh, uh, when I say I represent Jewish uh, women's organization, where is it located? Because everybody knows where is the new Jewish school. It's great. It looks really modern. People know where synagogue. We have some kind of cafe, we have Jewish shop there, and we have very cool Jewish history museum, Holocaust Museum. It's private exhibition, but it belongs to one of our local uh, Jewish businessmen. But a lot of things he gave to this museum for the constant exhibition. Wow. And that's why... People in the city absolutely knows about Jewish life, about uh, Jewish holidays. In spring, we have national communities, Yarmarka, right? Like favorite. Oh, the, uh, like a fair or a Yarmarok, like a marketplace, a, like a bazaar? Yeah, yeah. The word? Like bazaar. And uh, all community has a special, a little location with 
different kitchen. Uh, you can taste uh, Jewish food, uh, national designing costumes, clothes, people sing, dances, and it's a festival. It's very popular. Everybody knows Georgian, Armenian, Belarus, the Russian uh, community, Jewish, Bulgarian. It's a variety, and we are in a committee in local administration. Uh, we are officially in the national department of local administration. That's why I'm absolutely open to say, uh, even going to a secondary school and working with the teenager on issues like women's health, I say, I'm Vlada Nedok, I am from a women's Jewish organization, and your question why I'm here and why Jewish organization, and I give the answer in one sentence, that we have very big uh, values as uh, repairing the world, and this is my mission, uh, to come to you and to widen this information, because I am informal trainer and informal educators of different issues. And I want to speak to you with the issue of your something. We explain what is a Jewish world, why Jewish community working with not only Jewish history, what is activism, and we make great things. We help people to repair the world with my own example. So you're being the change that you want to see. Uh, I say that I can't promote great things and do nothing. If I say that I want to change the attitude to women's health and that mothers or educational system should learn women and we should protect our children from different things. And I can't just say, I practice this, I try to do this in my city, working with different institutions, uh, with the whole system. Step by step, it seems to me it's the way to change us. To lead the way. That's what you're doing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. What an amazing story. Thanks so much for sharing it and looking forward to finding out more of the work that you're doing now going forward. Great uh, history of the Jewish community in Krevirich. What a fascinating story. Um, before we go, where is Krevirich and how big is it? It's a Dnepropetrovsk region. Now we have six hundred thousands population big city uh, yeah big center it's the longest city in europe it's very long from one end to another it's famous and i know that local administration work on industrial tourism which is becoming popular to our city it's central part of ukraine if you will see on the map Dnepropetrovsk region, Dnepr. In Soviet time, it was Dnepropetrovsk, uh, the full name. Now in Ukrainian, it's Dnipro. Yeah, I was there in 2015. Beautiful city. Well, uh, translate the name, Krevirich. We have two legends. No, even three legends. It's a crooked horn of cow. A cow's horn. Yeah, and one of the legends that it was a little like shtetl where all Kazakhs stopped to have some kind of drinks. And the owner, he had just one eye. And in Ukrainian, it sounds like he was krivoy, uh, without one eye. And his name was Horn. And that's why people say, oh, let's go to Krivoy Rog, to this guy, to have some uh, vodka or something and to have the night there and mm -hmm. then to travel. 
it's one of the legend because of the Kozak uh, with one eye. The next legend was we have two rivers and at the place where they meet each other, it's look uh, like a horn of the cow. The confluence of the two rivers. Yeah. And the legend about mining ore, about industry, we have special ruda, it's ore, mineral ore. It's uh, red. It has very red color. And it's a legend that it was love between a young uh, woman and guy. And their parents say, no, you can't be a couple. And she was really upset. And she jumped from the mountain. And her blood made this mineral ore. And that's why we have a lot of mineral ore in our city. Oh, interesting story. Thank you so much, Vlada, for, for sharing it. And I uh, wish you all the best in your work going forward. Thank you, Alet. It was a pleasure to me just to share and to, to remind my memories. Uh, you know, I always love when my grandfather told about his family, about some kind of anecdotes. And to me, it's one of oral stories, which I can tell not only to my children, I can tell to people and in some way to continue the Jewish history of my family, to explain a little how people lived and to be example of family history uh, here and to be proud that I am Ukrainian Jew of the next generation of this country. And I absolutely believe in the future of this country and absolutely believe in the future of Jewish community. I've been speaking with Vlada Nedak, Director of Programming for Project Kesher Ukraine, a network of women's groups that works to improve the status of women in Ukraine and the former Soviet Union. She kindly agreed to share the story of the Jewish community in Krevirich, the story about the work her grandfather did to restore a community all but destroyed by the Nazi and Soviet regimes about the work she's now doing to carry on his legacy, and about the city in which the Jewish community once again plays a vital role. For more information about Vlada and her work, visit projectkesher.org.ua. That's spelled K-E-S-H-E-R. You'll find the links at our website, www.noshholos.com, and also at ukrainianjewishencounter.org. I'm Pavlina, producer and host of Nasholos Ukrainian Roots Radio. Until next time, Shalom. Ukrainian Jewish Heritage is brought to you by the Ukrainian Jewish Encounter, based in Toronto, Ontario. To find out more about their work, visit their website and follow them on Facebook and Twitter. Transcripts and audio files of this and earlier broadcasts of Ukrainian Jewish Heritage are available at their website, ukrainianjewishencounter.org, as well as at the Nasholos website, www.nasholos.com. Ай-я-я-я-я-я-я-я-я-я-я-я-я-я-я-я-я-я-я-я-я-я-я-я-я-я-я-я-я-я-я-я-я-я-я-я-я-я-я-я-я-я-я-я-я-я-я-я-я-
traditional Ukrainian folk song with a nod to the beautiful cherry blossoms that are in full bloom everywhere here in the Lower Mainland and on Vancouver Island. And that was a girl group called Cherivna, which translates as enchantment, and Oy Uvishnevamu Sadochku in the cherry orchard. Jyudyanu Bulazvame Pavlina, nahadu yevisluhite radio pratramu nash holos radio nasha hokurinya. Zalashaitis izname nastupnu hudenu. Dali peredu mikrofonu Oksani, zaprosi ju posluhati troche pro istoriju i tradeciji rozpovist Oksana. Ala peredem jo hoću zalašati vas te kjema slovame mudrostja. Ala peredem jo hoću zalašati vas te kjema slovame mudrostja. Jak ljudena zdorova, to veselacija i vsmihajacija. A jak hvora, to sljozame zalevajacija. And our proverb of the week translates as health is to happiness as illness is to sorrow. And that brings us to the end of the first hour of Nash Holos Ukrainian Roots Radio here on CHLY 101.7 FM in Nanaimo. Please stay with us as Oksana takes over the microphone to host the next hour. Meanwhile, please join me here again next Wednesday from 11 a.m. till 12 noon. And until then, do stay in touch with both Oksana and me via our Facebook page and Twitter. In between podcasts, visit us online where you'll find transcripts in the podcast feed, guest interviews, and other features, and that's at www.nasholos.com. So stay tuned next for the Nasholos Ukrainian Hour with Oksana, followed by Wellness Wednesday, to learn how to be healthy naturally. And at 2 p.m., join Gord Bibby for two hours of great oldies on Groovin' with Bibby G. I'm Pavlina. Thanks so much for listening. Do zusrici. Christos was Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Thank you.